Jesus said in Matthew 28 verse 19, Go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Welcome to Go Teach All Nations, bringing you Christ's teachings through Australian and international speakers. And here is today's presenter, Sharissa Fong. My message to close this week is entitled Power On, Little Is Much. Would you bow your heads with me as we open with prayer? Loving Father in heaven, by being able to worship you today here together, and as we study the Bible once more, we invite your Holy Spirit, Lord, to be present in our midst. I pray that you would charge our batteries, that you would fully charge us, Lord. May we be inspired and challenged to dream big because we serve a big God. We love you and thank you for hearing our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you ever have trouble trying to fall asleep at night? Some people said no, but I often struggle to fall asleep at night. Doesn't matter how tired I might be, my brain just won't shut down. And one night I was having one of those nights where I just couldn't fall asleep and I was getting desperate. I tried everything. I tried counting the number of cars that drove down the street. I tried um, counting the number of breaths that I took, but of course I wasn't going to stop breathing, so that didn't help. And I thought, I'm getting desperate. And then I thought, I know what I'll do. I'll take out my iPod and I'll listen to one of the less interesting books in the Bible and maybe that will just put me to sleep. So which book do you think I put on my iPod? Isn't that interesting? There are a lot of not very interesting books. <laughs> you all called something different. I went to the book of First Chronicles, because if you've ever read that book, you will know that it is about as interesting as reading a Hebrew telephone book. So I hit play and closed my eyes as the drone of begats and begots began to sound in my ears. My breathing slowed. My eyelids grew heavy. I feel tired just thinking about it. When suddenly I heard something on my iPad, on my iPod, that literally made me sit bolt upright in my bed. And this afternoon, I want to share with you what I heard that night. It's one of the most amazing stories that breaks if you listen to the book. So here it is, First Chronicles chapter 4, verses 5 through 10. This is where we'll find it. It says, And Asher, the father of Tekoa, had two wives, Hela and Naara. Naara bore him Ahuzam, Hefer, Temanai, and ha Hashatari. These were the sons of Naara. The sons of Hela were Zereth, Zohar, and Ethnan. And Koz begat Anub, Zopebah, and the families of Ahel, the son of Harum. So you can see why I came here to this book to try and fall asleep that night. But then... Then I came to verse 9, and it said this, Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. Friends, there you have it right there. It always pays to be on the lookout for the obvious. Here as I am listening to this chapter, buried beneath what seems to be a billion begats and begots is a lone shining star, and his name is Jabez. He's in the fourth chapter and 44 names into the fourth chapter. Here is where his story breaks. And the amazing thing about him is this. 
everything that we know about Jabez in the Bible, it's right there on the screen in front of us. That's all we know about him. We don't know where he lived. We don't know what he looked like. Um, We don't know what he did for a living. But we know this, that Jabez is recorded in the pages of Holy Scripture because he prayed a prayer that was so on the mark that God granted him what he requested. I don't know about you, but that's the kind of praying that I want to do too. Oh. That was an amen moment. When I do this, it means amen. (laughs) That was an amen moment. We want to pray and God will answer us. And so, friends, Jabez, like everybody, he had some difficulties in his life. We know that because his name means, um, his mother gave it to him, and it means I gave birth to him in pain or he will cause pain. Now, I'm sure you're familiar, but in the Bible context, names are very important. And this is a picture of my family many years ago now. And names have always interested me. And when I was about that age, I remember talking to my parents and I was asking them, you know, why they called me Sharissa. I mean, if you didn't call me Sharissa, what would you have called me? And my mom said, oh, we probably would have called you uh, Samantha or Elizabeth or something like that. I said, okay. And I said, well, what if, what if I was your son? And my dad said, oh, that's easy. We would have called you David because his name is David or Conan or Tyrell or get this, Tell, T-E-L-L. These were the characters that were the heroes in some cowboy books he read as a kid. (laughs) And I praise God I'm not a tell. (laughs) Can you imagine? Tell, tell, to tell them this. Anyway, I'm I'm just glad I'm Sharissa. So as I come to the story, though, I realize that Jabez, he has a problem. And we don't know the reason why his mother chose to call his name Jabez. Maybe it was because the birth was difficult. Maybe the husband left her. We don't know. But whatever it was, he had a name that every kid would hate to have. In the Bible times, a man and his name were so intimately acquainted that when the Bible says um, his name is cut off, it means he is cut off from life. So he Imagine going through life with a name that reminded you of the pain that you had caused your mother. Imagine that. Well, in the eyes of the world, Jabez may have been a born loser. And when the world declares you a born loser, you have two options. One, you can succumb to what everybody thinks about you. Or number two, you can overcome. And Jabez chose the second. How do I know that? Because it says here, now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. Friends, he looked at how his family was living. He looked at how people around him were living. And he decided, I don't have to live that way. Some people will just keep going through the motions, but not Jabez. Some people are content to live in spiritual ruts, but not Jabez. He doesn't complain. He doesn't resign himself to his situation. He takes his burden to the Lord, and he asks God to help him. So, friends, the first lesson I take from his story is we can carry everything to God in prayer. And uh, there's a story about a man named Joseph Scriven who seemed like he was going to be destined to know nothing but the friendship of Jesus Christ. In 1840, as a young man in Ireland, his intended bride accidentally drowned the evening before the wedding. 
Um, poor health meant that he was uh, forced to abandon his dreams of joining the army, so he moved to Canada, where there he became a servant of the underprivileged and the poor and the physically handicapped, and their tragedy seemed to follow him as well. Once again, he met another young lady. They, uh, they fell in love and made plans to get married, but shortly before the second wedding, his second fiancé died following a brief illness. It seemed that Joseph Scriven was destined to go through life knowing nothing else but the friendship of Jesus. In his last illness, a neighbor came to visit him. And when the neighbor walked into his room and saw Scriven lying on the bed, he noticed a manuscript be beside the bed. And it was something that Joseph had written to share with his mother. And so the neighbor asked, he said, what's that? And he said, the Lord and I, we wrote this between us. You want to know what the manuscript said? What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Jabez chose to carry his burdens to the Lord in prayer. No doubt he had grown up listening to how his God was a God who delighted to rescue his people, and he had rescued his people from powerful enemies. He remembered how Jacob in Genesis 35 had loved Rachel, and how when Rachel was dying, giving birth to their son, her last request was, call him Benoni, which means son of my sorrow or misfortune. And Jacob, knowing the power of a name, says, no, 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 don't call him that, but call him Benjamin, which means son of the right hand. And no doubt Jabez had remembered how one night Jacob had found himself wrestling with an angel, wrestling with God. Jacob's own name meant cheat or heel grabber. And in that moment, you remember that God changed his name. God said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. Why? Because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. And perhaps Jabez, in his young mind, as he considers these things and puts the puzzle pieces together, he thinks to himself, if God could change Jacob's name, and if Jacob could change his own son's name, then God can help me in my circumstances as well. I love this quote by Eric Little. He said, circumstances may appear to wreck our lives, but God is not helpless among the ruins. Amen? Our lives, are, our, our broken lives are not lost or useless. God's love is still working. He comes in and takes the calamity and uses it victoriously, working out his wonderful plan of love. Circumstances may appear to wreck our lives, but God is not helpless among the ruins. And so, friends, Jabez prays this prayer. He's not remembered for fighting in a battle. He's not remembered for building a wall or for doing anything amazing like that. He is remembered because he was a man of prayer. And people of prayer capture God's attention. I want to just focus and step through on the four aspects of his prayer. The first thing we notice here is right here. It says, And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed. The first thing Jabez prays for is he asks for God's blessing. There once was a king who heard that there was a citizen of his empire who was always doing good things for other people, and he thought, I want to acknowledge him. I want to give him something because I'm so 
grateful for what he does in this, in this kingdom. So he summoned the man into the palace, and he was a humble man. He came and stood before him with his staff in one hand, and the king said, I've heard what you do, and I want to give you something. I will give you one day, and you can walk around however much land in this kingdom that you can get around in one day, and whatever you get around in one day, I will give it to you. Without a moment's hesitation, that humble man before him took his staff and drew a circle around him right before the king. The king said, what do you mean? You only want what's in that circle? He said, no, your majesty. I want everything outside it. <laughs> that man was bold in his request of the king. But you know what? When Jabez comes to God in prayer, he is bold when he comes before the throne of grace in prayer. He, he comes and he asks for God's blessing. And I hadn't really thought about this too much before until I came to this story. But we need God's blessing in our lives, do we not? If we do not have the blessing of God in our lives, in our families, in our ministries, well, then we're just wasting our time and spinning our wheels. But Jabez knew that his God was a God who delighted in blessing his people. Remember what God said to Abraham. God said, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. God delights in blessing us. Why? Notice what the Bible says here in Psalm 67. God, be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. Why? That your way may be known on earth and your salvation among all nations. God delights in blessing you and I so that we can be a blessing to others. And by the way, in case we think that blessings are only the good things that happen to us, I did a little bit of research and I discovered that Charles Haddon Spurgeon, he actually wrote four sermons on the, on the subject of Jabez. Four. It's not a lot in the Bible on him. It's amazing. But in one of his sermons, he said this, What though it be a cross that raiseth thee, yet if it raise thee to God, it shall be a blessing indeed. And anything which helps me to glorify God is a blessing indeed. If I be sick and that helps me to praise him, it is a blessing indeed. If I be poor and I can serve him better in poverty than in wealth, it is a blessing indeed. If I be in contempt, I will rejoice in that day and leap for joy. If it be for Christ's sake, it is a blessing indeed. The first thing Jabez prays for is God's blessing. But he goes on. He says, oh, that you would bless me indeed. And enlarge my territory. That's the second request he makes in his prayer. Friends, Jabez asked for God to enlarge his sphere of influence for him. Sometimes as humans, we tend to be narrow-minded. We have a narrow circle of friends, a narrow circle of interests. Even our taste buds can be narrow. Well, some of us, some people eat almost anything. But friends, when it came to the salvation of the human race... I praise God that we do, he was not narrow-minded when it came to the salvation of the human race. The Bible says, for God so loved the world. And if that God is our God, if this God is our God, then you and I cannot afford to be narrow-minded when it comes to mission as we walk the narrow way. We must be global Christians with a global vision because our God is a global God. 
We should be praying like Jabez, Lord, increase my sphere of influence for you. Don't let this ministry stop here. Increase its reach for you. Enlarge my borders. Increase my field of service for you. Give me a concern for others and not just myself. If Jabez had come here, he would have prayed, Lord, give me Georgia. Or maybe even more than that, Lord, give me this country. If he came to Australia, he'd say the same. If he went to Africa, he'd be praying the same. Jabez prayed big, and he asked God to increase his sphere of influence for him. I think of men in history, some great evangelists who did this. On the one here, this guy right here, John Knox, he prayed, Lord, give me Scotland or I die. Next to him, George Whitfield prayed, Lord, give me souls or take my soul. Next to him, Henry Martin arrived on the shores of India and he exclaimed, here, let me burn out for God. And the man on the far right is a man by the name of John Hyde. If you or I were to draw near to the prayer closet of this man, you would see tears coursing down his cheeks as he knelt beside his bed and prayed, oh Lord, give me souls or I die. And God answered that prayer and gave him thousands. Enlarging our borders, friends, demands vision. It demands faith. It demands effort and work. But listen, Ellen White, she said this, God has given me a message for his people. They must awake, spread their tents, and enlarge their borders. My brethren and sisters, you have been bought with a price, and all that you have and are is to be used to the glory of God and for the good of your fellow men. Christ died on the cross to save the world from perishing in sin. He asks your cooperation in this work. You are to be his helping hand. With earnest, unwearying effort, you are to seek to save the lost. Last July, I was coming home from being at Fountain View Academy in British Columbia in Canada. Familiar with that? I got to be there for something, I think it was the week of prayer or their graduation, one of the two. And as I was coming home, I came through LA and I was so tired when I hopped on the plane that night. I just wanted to sleep. And every time I travel, I say, Lord, please seek me. If there's someone that I can speak to on this flight, please seat me next to them so that I can talk to them. But when I prayed that prayer on this particular occasion, I didn't pray it very sincerely because I was so tired. I didn't actually want to talk to anybody. So I came and I found my seat and I watched as passengers filed onto the plane. And finally this lady, she came and she sat two seats away from me. She smiled at me and sat down. And I thought, oh, well, she doesn't want to talk either, so I can rest. And you know what? I did rest. I had the best sleep I've ever had on an international flight from L.A. to Sydney. It's a 14-hour flight, and pretty much I slept eight hours on that flight, which is unusual for me. We're about an hour and a half out of Sydney, and she leans over and taps me, and she says, excuse me, do you have a pen? I said, oh, yeah, sure. So I reached in my bag and handed her a pen. She said, thank you. And I said, so why are you going to Sydney? She said, oh. Well, I'm going to Sydney to meet my first love from 50 years ago. I said, really? She said, yeah. I said, so what's the story? She said, well, I was 15, he was 16. My dad was in the British Army, his dad was in the Australian Army, and they were serving in Singapore. Here we go, we're on. Thank you. All right, so where was I? 
Okay, yes, so they're in uh, Singapore serving, and basically they were madly in love. They lived next door to each other, and uh, she even fell pregnant. And just after she fell pregnant, uh, his father was moved. And so she said, my last memory was at the dock. I had one end of the streamer. He had the other end of the streamer. And as the ship left the port, the streamer stretched and snapped, and we cried and cried and cried. That was the last time she saw Ian. I said, wow, it felt like it was a movie, you know. And I said, that's amazing. So what happened? She said, well, life moved on and I met another man. We fell in love, we got married, and we were having a good life. But one day when he was 50, I think she might be about 65, when he was 50, woke up and he was dead in the bed. He'd had a heart attack. And after that, time went on, and as time went on, uh, she started wondering, I wonder what happened to Ian. You see, her son, he lives in England, and all his life, he's been wondering, where is my birth dad? He's even paid people to try and find his birth dad. So she decides that she'll try and find Ian. So she sends an email to the school that they went to in Singapore and asks, do you have any contact details for such and such? They came back and they said, yes, we do. We have an email but we're not sure if it works. It's old. So she says, well, give it to me. I'll try it. She emails Ian, and Ian responds. What had happened was Ian, too, his life had moved on. He'd met somebody, gotten married, had four kids with this other lady, and then his marriage had just gone to pieces as well and had ended in divorce. And he was also wondering, I wonder what happened to Pat? And so when she emails him and he responds, she said, we just hit it off. It's like we're back in the 1960s again. We just, oh, we just love the same music. We love the same things. It's just so wonderful. She was all giddy about it. And then she said to me, oh, it's just one thing. Long distance is so hard. And I said, yeah, tell me about it. Because I had just saved off my boyfriend in L.A. And she said, oh, what's your story? started telling her my story, and then along, along the way, as I'm telling the story, I told her that he's a pastor. She said, oh, you're a Christian. I said, yes, I am. She said, oh, I'm so glad that I'm sitting next to you, she said, because I just had this conversation with Ian. And Ian said to me, he asked me, do you believe in God? I said, yes, I do. She said, well, um, if that's a problem for you, then we can't be together. We'll just have call this off. Anyway, she said, I'm going to get to Sydney and we're going to talk about God because I really want to continue this conversation. And I'm thinking, well, I really want to continue this conversation too. So I'm thinking, what should I ask? I said, so have you always been a Christian? She said, no, I haven't. She said, but I was watching the television one day and this Christian program came on. And as I was watching it, this program started talking about how Jesus paid the price for my sin and that I don't have to pay the price for my sin. And when I learned that news, she said, oh, I just broke down in tears and I wanted to run down the street and tell everybody that Jesus had paid it all for me. And she even called the ministry up in tears to tell them that. And I said, oh, that's wonderful. And um, said, so which church do you go to? And she looked a little bit uncomfortable. She kind of shifted in her seat and she says, oh, well, I've been to lots of different churches. And then she said, what church do you go to? And I thought, well, either you've never been to my church or you have and you didn't like it. So I said to her, well, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist Christian. And she said, oh. she went white, started doing this. And I said, are you okay? You know, I've never had this reaction before. <laughs> I thought maybe it was a health crisis or something. I started getting worried. She said, oh, I can't believe this, she said. 
That's the church I've been thinking of joining. I've been praying to God for a sign if I should become a Seventh-day Adventist Christian. She said, when I finish with my trip in Sydney, I'm going to go back to Florida and I'm going to go to the Seventh-day Adventist church. By now, we both wanted to cry. (laughs) I said, do you mind me asking, but how did you know about the Seventh-day Adventist church? She said, oh, look, I don't know if you know. But there was this guy on the television. His name was Doug Batchelor. And oh, he's, everything he said about the Bible made so much sense. She said he talked about hell, and I understand it. He talked about heaven. And she said, this is so amazing. And I'm sitting there, and I'm amazed too. And I just think to myself, here we are. We've been traveling for nearly 12, over 12 hours. And I've been sleeping the whole time. And my angel, and her angel, must have been telling my angel, wake her up. Because this is a divine appointment. This is an opportunity for enlarging the borders of the kingdom. Wake her up. And so we sat there still a little bit in shock. And then she said, oh, you know what? When the meals came around tonight, I was so interested in having a sausage. She said, but then I remembered that Seventh-day Adventists, they believe that their bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Health is very important. And so she said, I didn't have it. And I said, oh, well, praise the Lord. And then you can see she was all very beautiful there. And um, as she was, she, she turned over again and she said, oh, and another thing. She said, while I was sitting here, one of my rings fell off my finger and went under that person's chair over there. I said, oh, did you find it? She said, yes, I found it. But I'm just thinking, maybe that was another sign. <laughs> oh, she was so sweet. But you know what? Oh, it's just the most amazing experience on the plane. We talked a little more. She's doing the Bible studies with amazing facts, and she's totally into everything that she can get her hands on. And uh, we talked about Ellen White, and she's going to get a hold of the great controversy. We swapped email addresses. And then when we got to the airport in Sydney, I got my bags, and I kind of hid behind a pillar because I wanted to see this reunion. (laughs) I don't know what happened to Ian. I think he might have been running late that day or something, or stuck in traffic, so I missed the reunion. But we did email each other after that, and she did go to the church. And again, she said to me, um, she's just so thankful that she got to sit next to me that day. But God did that. Of all the people in the plane that I could have been sitting next to, God did that. And I share this story with you in the context of this study because I believe that there are people everywhere that God wants to lead us to so that we can point them to Jesus. And they're searching. They're on the borders of the kingdom. It's time for us to enlarge our borders and, our, and increase, ask God to increase our field of service for Him. So often we look at our limitations and we think it looks like this. Service for God looks like this. My abilities and experience and training and personality and appearance and past and the expectation of others, that's what my assigned territory is. But friends, the Bible says that it is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. So it should look like this. My willingness and weakness plus God's will and supernatural power equals my expanding influence for him, my expanding territory for him. Jabez goes on. He says, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory. 
that your hand would be with me. What does that mean? He is praying, friends, for God's power to be present in his life. You read the New Testament. It says the hand of the Lord was with them, Acts eleven twenty one, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. I believe that it was the hand of the Lord, the presence of God, the power of God that was responsible for the exponential growth of the early Christian church. And it will be God who will be responsible for the exponential growth of his remnant last day movement as well. So we need to be praying for power, for God to empower us. I think of this great story of a church in a little country town that caught on fire one night. The alarm went out and everybody lined up. And it was in the days where you pass buckets along to put the fire out. And as they're passing buckets along, there was an elder of the church there. And he noticed that there was a noted atheist in town who was helping them put out the fire. He said, why are you here helping us put out the fire? I mean, we're thankful, but why are you here? You don't even go to this church. He said, I've never seen the church on fire before. (laughs) The world at its worst needs the church at its best. Amen? We need for God to empower us with his spirit. Listen to what Vance Havner said. He said, we need a heartwarming. The early Christians did not need a shot in the arm every Sabbath to keep them going. They knew Jesus and they upset the world and worried the devil and gave wicked rulers insomnia and started something the jails couldn't lock up, fire couldn't burn, water couldn't drown, swords couldn't kill. You may be little experience and speak of the dangers of emotion, but we are suffering today from a species of Christianity as dry as dust, as cold as ice, as pale as a corpse and as dead as King Tut. We are suffering not from a lack of correct heads, but of consumed hearts. Oh, that you and I would be consumed with Jesus, that we would be filled with his spirit. I think of Spurgeon. One of my favorite preachers of all time was this great Baptist preacher right here. He was so consumed with Jesus that I read in the biography one night, he broke out into a sermon about Jesus in his sleep. His wife woke up, took notes, handed them to him the next morning, and he went down to the tabernacle and preached it. I think about John Wesley. John Wesley was once asked why so many people would come and hear him preach. And we know he didn't always have it easy. I read to you a page from his diary a couple of days ago. John Wesley said this, Many years ago God ignited a fire in my soul, and now people come from all over to watch me burn. Jabez had one last thing that he prayed. He said, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. Friends, he prayed for protection. Jabez knew that sin would rob him of God's blessings. It would cause his vision to be narrow. It would cause God to have to remove his hand from him. He knew we cannot sin and win. And so he asked God to help him to avoid it, to live above it. And that's how we should be too. Why should this be important? Why should this prayer be important? Because, hide that, that's not meant for you right now. This is important because we represent Jesus. I remember when we were growing up as kids, and sometimes we'd go to somebody's house for lunch. 
and we'd get to the house. And when we got to the house, my dad would turn the car off and then he would also lock the doors. And then my parents, their two heads in the front seat, would swing around and they'd look at my sister and I in the back. And they would proceed to give us a lecture on the things that we couldn't touch when we got inside the house, the family secrets that were to remain family secrets when we got in the house and how we were to talk. And we were just a little bit irritated that our journey into the house was becoming so slow. And we'd say, why? Why do we have to do this? And I'll never forget what my dad said, because you represent us. So as Christians, we should pray for this as well, not only for our own sake, but we represent Jesus to the world. We do not want to give a false representation or misrepresent him to others. And here's a great quote too. There is nothing that Satan fears so much as that the people of God shall clear the way by removing every hindrance so that the Lord can pour out his spirit upon a languishing church and an impenitent congregation. When the way is prepared for the spirit of God, the blessing will come. Wicked men and devils cannot hinder the work of God or shut out his presence from the assemblies of his people. If they will, with subdued, contrite hearts, confess and put away their sins and in faith claim his promises, every temptation, every opposing influence, whether open or secret, may be successfully resisted, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. We need to finish here. I've gone over time. But as I think about Jabez, I realize that one of the best parts of his whole prayer is that after he prays all of these things, the Bible tells me that God granted him what he requested. God answers prayer. And as I think about that, I think about Jabez and I think to myself, Jabez, he doesn't light up the book of Acts. He doesn't stand astride the Old Testament like a Moses or an Abraham or a Joshua. He is what I call the Bible's little big man. But it was that little extra that made the difference for him. And he was just an ordinary person who placed his life in the hands of an extraordinary God. And God was able to do great things with him. You may think that your existence is insignificant at times, especially when you consider the fact that you are just one of the rest of the however many, seven billion other people on this planet. But friends, when we put God into that picture... Suddenly things change. Suddenly we have potential. Suddenly we have a purpose because we serve a powerful God who goes beyond us. A God who when we resist him, he loves past our defenses. A God who with him, little is much. And if we will just put our hand in the hand of God, it is power on with God, little is much. And I pray that that's something you will file away in your hearts as you go home as well. When you feel like your ministry is small, little is much when God is in it. Let us pray. Our loving Father in heaven, thank you for the prayer of Jabez here. We thank you, Lord, that you're a God who delights to bless us. Please bless us. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to enlarge our territory for you, to expand. We pray that you would expand our sphere of influence for you. We pray, Lord, that your hand would be with us, that you would empower us to do for you what you are calling us to do and to live and be what you are calling us to be at this time in earth's history. 
And Lord, we pray that you would keep us from evil, that we might represent you aright to the world around us because we know you are coming soon. And thank you, Lord, that this is a prayer that you delight to answer. You long to answer it and you will answer it because this afternoon we are not asking it because we feel we are worthy. We ask it because we believe in Jesus. We know that he is worthy and we ask it in his name. Amen. Listening to Go Teach All Nations here on 3ABN Australia Radio. Master's voice is calling to his harvest. He's calling you. Now does the place your call to labor seem so small and little known? It is great if God is in
Hello, I'm Casey Butler and welcome to Healthy Living Around the World. I'm on site at Hercule Lifestyle Center in Romania and my guest today is Yosef Sakuyu. Welcome Yosef. Thank you very much. Good to have you here on the program. Now, can you share with me where you are from? I'm from a town in the center of Romania. Okay. Near the most dangerous mountains of Romania. Oh, wow. And uh, I miss to see them every day. Oh, you're missing them. Wow. <laughs> they, are they spectacular peaks with jagged edges? What are they like, uh, those mountains? Their ridge is uh, long of 20 kilometers and it's really sharp and um, it's really beautiful to hike them but you have to be careful because otherwise you may not have the second uh, opportunity of doing this ah so that's something to have great respect for those mountains Truly. okay so you're you're from from romania and you i can see that that's there's parts of romania that are very special to you and here at Argelia, it's also in Romania. Yeah. Can you share with me how you came to come here to Argelia? After I finished my high school, I um, entered, I joined the first um, program of canvassing, which was done with students, which mm -hmm. were actually canvassers. And um, this program was coordinated by um, a student from Avondale from Australia. Oh, wow. And um, at the very end of the program, I remember that I was praying about where to go and where is my place for the next year. Yes. And the doors were shutting in front of me, many of them, because mm. the time was passing and I couldn't apply to many other places. Oh. And uh, after I finished that last day and I we had to do just some more counting and to pack up I found myself so discouraged because I need to see where I'm going it's probably just a human nature and yes I <laughs> began to cry oh wow and I was in my mind now I I don't know where to go I, I want to see the world but I don't know where and this was the option mainly in my mind for, let's say, two or three weeks. And yes. I knew I had to take a decision, so mm. I took a decision. Mm. And even though I was not considering so much in the beginning to come to Herglia because it's, it's a medical school and I did not really want to get the, the medical part. There are many Adventists here and there are other yes. fields which needs also uh, people to work in. Mm -hmm. God led me here, so I applied and I was accepted. And after I found out that uh, it was not so easy as I thought, so oh, they you mean thought, they discussed if they will accept me or not. Wow, yeah. and then they did accept you. So yeah, that... they accepted me mm. and I think it was the good choice. Yeah, so you've appreciated being here. How long have you been here now? Around nine months. Nine months, okay. And what have you been doing here? So I am a medical missionary student. That means that I'm trained in the light program, okay. which uh, takes one year. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And here we learn how to work in a sanitarium, mm. how to give massage, hydrotherapy. We are taught also special classes like um, Bible prophecy, mm. or we have also the Adventist family, and um, also how to understand uh, 
it's a self-supporting institution. Yes. Um, we did us some outreach in our mission trip in Portugal, which was interesting. Mm-hmm. So mainly it prepares you to be a medical missionary, but I think it's a bit more similar with the army that uh, I'd make a, a parallel. Even though in the army, not everyone becomes a soldier after they finish, yes. everyone knows how to pull the trigger of a gun. Right. So here you get trained not just in these things, but also in other really important practical things okay. like agriculture or cooking or it was really interesting how one of the best courses that we have here, mm. it's um, the management of conflicts. You don't learn it wow. so much in the school, like we mm. don't have a course, the management of the conflicts, but being in a group with so many Adventist youth from different countries and different shades of Adventism, I would say, you have to learn how to manage the conflicts. So that's one of the biggest gain I think I, I've got wow, from here. Wow, that's quite an interesting thing. A very good life skill for you to a bit, have a bit hard to get, but <laughs> it's not the most comfortable one to get. No, but it's important. very handy, very important, as you say. That's true. So that's quite a variety of things you're, you've learned here as part of your training, isn't it? So now can you share with me, because obviously this is a lifestyle center and helping people to change their lifestyle, you would have some appreciation for um, a healthy lifestyle and its benefits. How, how did you come to appreciate healthy living? First thing, I wasn't born as an Adventist. So I was born as an evangelical and for us the health was almost not existing. Oh. And when I first time came into an Adventist church, mm. as long as I remember, it was um, evangelization. Yes, yes. An evangelization. And um, in this also the pastor brought some health topics. And for me it made such, such a uh, sense that mm. he told us that the, if you would eat uh, red, it would be healthier than the pork. Oh. And this made sense for, I didn't want to eat red, but I thought, okay, then Bible says not to eat pork, so I shouldn't eat pork. Mm. And because the, it had this holistic approach to mm. the human being, for me, it was a really, really good um, bridge to get more on the spiritual things. Okay. I was in the fifth grade. Yes. And also after I, after I joined this, this church, and I became vegetarian after vegan. I'm a vegan now. Okay. My mind gets so much better. I began to understand the spiritual topics way more. Right. Way, way more. And it's like some foggy clouds just went, uh, just went away off the brain. And truly, it is a blessing to have this message because uh, we can help people more, we can reach them and we can minister to their needs as the Lord did. And he spent the most of his time uh, healing rather even than preaching. So yes, so it's, it's a big appreciation which I have for the Adventist lifestyle, even though in my family, they not being Adventist was so hard sometimes and they've got uh, 
not easy times with them. Uh, not all the time, but sometimes I had um, strifes and um, this kind of arguments. Why don't I eat fish or why don't I eat that or why do I want to eat just three meals and not so much. And mm -hmm. it, it was God's right hand for me also to, to get in the church and it, it, is a, it is a great blessing, this lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So, is your family still not at Adventist? None of them is Adventist. None of them? Oh, wow. But you, you've appreciated healthy living as a means to help you become more established as a Christian in the Adventist church? Is that what you have experienced? Um, yes, that's one thing. But when I came first time in the contact with the church and I found out about the health reform, I was in the fifth grade. And oh. impressed my mind so much. Right, right. So I was like 11 or 12 years old and impressed. it impressed my mind so much that even though I wasn't coming to the church, when I was hearing people speaking as Adventist, I was telling them you should better, rather be silent because they are right in the sense is, approved, is proving what they say. So for me, at least in my mind, I knew that this church was righter than the others. Yeah. Okay. And later came also the decision to join. Oh, wow. So it was all part of that initial stage of helping you to, to come in. That's amazing. Obviously, you've started, like you adopted those lifestyle principles in your own, own life. Is there any one of those that you, um, that is like your favorite, that you really enjoy, that you, you experience good benefits from and you appreciate a lot? Maybe. It's, it's hard to choose just one of them. I do really manage the nutrition because, nutrition, yeah. because it helped with my uh, agony problem. So especially in the years of my teenage period, yes, yes. was uh, quite hard to have mm, acne mm. and trying treatments and, and getting bored of some of, or getting allergic reactions. Yeah. After I quit diary and meats, was way better even though there are other factors which are influencing and um, I like nutrition because it's something that we deal with all of them but with nutrition everybody does being conscient about yes. you can speak with anybody about and the World Health Organization it's supporting and um, I, I really like it because you feel the result after a few years sometimes when you change it may be harder for everybody to accept and yes, i figured yes. this thing but after five years i'm feeling really well maybe even <laughs> even a bit younger you're than... feeling even a bit younger yeah. you're still a young person yeah. <laughs> that's amazing my, my biological age was 12 years so oh really <laughs> So you've added some years to your life. <laughs> that's, I that's, hope I did. <laughs> that's very good. So you're obviously very much feeling benefits from, from living healthier. Obviously, you said that maybe it took a little a little bit to get used to, maybe at first, is that right? But then, but now you're going very well with it. Yeah, this little may vary since yes. from maybe two or three months to even some years to some. Okay. But your taste buds will also adapt and uh, your mindset will adapt. Will yes. adapt and also 
something that I felt that it was missing in the evangelical church. Okay. I felt that mm. something was missing and this was one of those, mm. this holistic approach of the human being. Yes, yes. Now that's very interesting because my, my next question would be to you how how you felt your health has impacted your, your religious spiritual life and have you noticed anything um, in along those lines? Yeah. Um, first, you cannot understand some of the truths of the Bible also with the heart, so a bit beyond the intellectual level. If you overload yourself with food because uh, your brain will be uh. so busy and your system will not be able to focus on yes. the higher things okay. than the basic instincts. And I I observed that a healthy lifestyle helps you to be joyful, mm-hmm. helps you to trust in the Lord, even though sometimes you may see opposite results at the beginning. It's... Uh, a great blessing to follow the blueprint which God gave us in this new start um, new start program. In the church, you'll find people which will be Adventists, but not really adopting an Adventist lifestyle, and to deal with them is maybe the hardest. But still, it's uh, it's good because you will understand better the Bible. You can pray and you can focus more on on your thoughts mm, okay. and you'll have a better attitude if you have a healthy lifestyle otherwise you just kill yourself slowly <laughs> okay so you're saying that um healthy living has helped helps you to actually live a practical christian life oh yeah um a lot more easily so that it's it's helping enable you to have your faith to be a real experience yeah lived out of your life let's Take fasting, for example. Mm. While you fast, this is something that's strengthening strengthening your will and also your spiritual life because you do something which puts to silence your carnal nature and helps your higher powers to develop more and to focus more on the things which are everlasting, which are not just early daily things yes yes so when you say carnal nature you're meaning um like natural 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 instincts natural human desires drives that kind of thing yeah 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 okay and so you're finding that the healthy principles help you to have i guess keep them under better control is that right yeah yeah that's very important part of a christian's experience isn't it very true Now, if you were to meet someone um, who was wanting to start, maybe adopt a healthier lifestyle, maybe adopt a healthier habit in their life, what would you say to them? Uh, Like a a word of advice on how they should go about it? Yeah, what's your thoughts on that? That it's important to have something written first. Okay. They made a study in Yale about people's people's goals yes. and they found out that the ones we had no goals they were earning and Yale it's a really good university they were earning uh, like someone from a community college like three times more than oh wow someone which so so this was a graduate with no goals when mm. it was asked someone with goals but not written goals was earning five times better than the first ones which had no goals and the ones which written their goals which had written their goals. Yes. 
they were earning 10 times better than the second ones. Oh. So they were, they were earning way better because by beholding, by having their written something, yes, you set your mind to really do that. So first you need a practical guide to be able mm-hmm. to follow mm-hmm. in, uh, in a healthy lifestyle. And you have to be willing and open to whatever God is discovering, like the country living. Okay. First time when I heard it, uh, I heard for pe- from people speaking about, but when I began to search about by myself, mm. I fall in love with this, even though it's not the easiest thing to do. Yes. And it's a bit against the mainstream. It's, it's important to have your mind open that you will... You will grow. You will not stay on the same level mm. in in a in a healthy lifestyle. Mm. And uh, it's good to take the steps. Many people say to take them little by little, but I don't know how hard it is if you were drinking before two glasses of water since tomorrow to drink eight. I think you can make some radical decisions also, which may help you. Depends on your body uh. and how do you feel, but. Uh, when you see a good change, a good uh, option that you have a better option, yes, it's go. It's good to go for it. Okay. And mm. um, I think that there is no reason why not to adopt a healthier lifestyle. Okay. This is what probably I'll say the first time. And as I was working as a canvasser, I could speak a lot about the lifestyle with the people. Yes. And um, mainly, everybody wants to feel well. Yes, so, true, yeah. And if you take 30 seconds to think, mm. you will like to feel well for a longer time and you may take into consideration a healthier lifestyle. Yes, yes. Okay, so you're saying it's important to have a written goal so you can see it, focus on it. It's important to... Um, to be perseverant. This would be pers- another one, to be perseverant. Mm-hmm. That uh, this will really help you even though sometimes it may be hard. Mm-hmm. And you can think also about the future genetical heritage because yes, yes, your children yes. will not be healthier than you were. So yes, <laughs> that's yes. also another point. There, there are so many things to discuss about the healthy lifestyle. Yes. But we can talk about two hours. What would be the best would be uh, for you to really to try to apply and you'll see many whys on the way. Very good. So there's... There's lots of different things to consider which are going to be helping people be successful if they're going to make a, a, a change for a healthy lifestyle and um, not only successful in the short term but also long term sustainably. Um, these things are all important that you've shared. So that's very, I think you've shared some very useful um, advice there, very interesting, useful advice that people can take on board. So that's, I appreciate that a lot and I'm, I'm sure our listeners do as well. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us on this program, Yosef. It's been a pleasure to talk with you today. And I hope you enjoy the remainder of your time here at Hergilia Lifestyle Center, uh, which is where we've been recording today live. Our guest today has been Yosef Sakuya. And uh, I'm your host, Casey Butler. And thank you so much for tuning in to Healthy Living Around the World. God bless. This program has been brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio.